Viva Las Backmarkers! We're back, baby! <laughs> this is the Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans, by new fans, and really it's just me and my buddy Austin hanging out and talking about F1 a few times a year. How you doing, Austin? Uh, dude, I am doing great. I am so happy to have a chat about what was yep. a very fun weekend. The thing was for me, right, so when we were planning out all the episodes we wanted to do this year, I was like, we've got to do one about Vegas. Mm. And like at the time, I was like, it's probably going to be a bit of a disaster. But I would say, now we'll get to the disaster of FP1, but I think that this is a great addition to the calendar as a fan. Like, it was a great race. It was one of my favorite races of the year. Yes. Yeah. So my experience was a little bit warped because I was actually there and being at a race versus watching it live is a very different experience we'll talk about it but i completely agree it was a sight to behold and i just sort of just looking around las vegas and seeing how transformed it was Uh, obviously less than perfect as all these things are and actually there were a few things that i was a little bit surprised about that was set up not only positively um, but also some things that i think a lot of people were very upset about but it was definitely a very unique experience and i will tell you i'm definitely going back next year like i I, i'm sold it was totally worth it i want to do it i really want to do it like I, I would expect sometime in the next couple of years I would go to this race because like I haven't been to one yet, right? And I still want to, but I feel like I want there to be a reason that yeah. I would want to go to the race other than watching it on television. Like you know, I look at Silverstone and it's kind of like I know for how hard it is to get in and out of Silverstone. Yes. And yes. I and it's like, is it worth it? <laughs> but I feel like something like I think of Vegas, obviously Monaco, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like there are reasons to go to these races that a little bit. And I know it's the same for Koto, right? Like apparently Koto is just like impossible to get in and out. Oh my of. god, I will tell you all about that. Yes, because that is uh, it's very different. Um, it's a very different vibe. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I would love to tell you all about it once we talk a little bit more about the race. Because right. I have a lot of thoughts I would love to share with you on your future Vegas excursions. <laughs> all right. We should start from the start, though. Yes, and yes. So we should talk about FP1. So this is like, this is just so unfortunate. This is just so bad. So obviously we had uh, manhole issues, right? And mm-hmm. we had signs and Ocon, but really everybody's focusing on science, right? Because he had yeah. the, the majority of the damage. Yeah, yeah. And what as what I understand is that basically the suction that the cars mm-hmm. create yeah. when going down the streets pulls that was pulling these like manhole access covers yeah. out of the ground. Yes. And it's kind of, you know, when you think about it, probably something you can't test for yeah unless you're actually sending a car like i guess the only way to test it is to get a car right and drive it (laughs) but like even then like you can't cover the whole road right so like yeah yeah. this kind of just feels like a uh, the way i see it is just like a very unfortunate Mm -hmm. mistake yeah of course or accident and it's not a unique thing that has happened i think it was uh it was wasn't it george russell and like azerbaijan a couple years ago when he's still at williams i feel like he did the exact same thing he pulled a manhole cover up yeah i feel like every few years ago or every few years it happens at a street track this is a street track problem for sure yeah yeah and it's also like i do believe that they preemptively weld some of these things down but i don't know if maybe they didn't weld it enough or they didn't check i mean look these things happen obviously it's really unfortunate and it's Probably a little bit more unfor- more uh, <clears throat> unfortunate the way they handled the situation. But as far as like the actual incident happening, these things happen. Is the very first few minutes yep. of the very first you know laps that anyone had put on the track. You know th- they're going to do as much as they can to prepare and organize and whatnot. But ultimately, I mean, these things can happen even on street tracks that have existed for years. Like, and then it ended up that you know, science's car was destroyed. Yeah, FP one was effectively canceled right mm-hmm. and they then ran eight minutes i think yeah and then uh fp2 was then just like delayed for hours and hours and hours yeah. so they got started at like half past two in the morning i think running until <laughs> four yeah. which is just like <laughs> i genuinely like can't believe that <sighs> these guys made it work safely like the drivers yeah, yeah. You know, like the fact that they were able to pull that off. And I was watching some of the, because uh, it was kind of funny because for me, it was then on in my morning because yeah. it had run so late 
it was in, so I was I had it on the next day, so I was actually <laughs> watching it because I woke up, checked the news, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like it was rough." Because like all the science stuff was happening while I was in bed. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, FP 2s on, and they're gonna run at some point. I want to put this on and see if they <laughs> if they get yeah. destroyed <laughs> or something, right?" Um, and you know, they were talking to the drivers, and like uh, Jensen Button and Karun Chandok were saying that like. You know, they were asking the two of them, like, oh, is this terrible? It's like, look, once these guys get in these cars, you are full of adrenaline. It's like, yeah. they're awake. It doesn't yeah. matter if they've slept. They're awake. Yeah. And like they were saying, if anything, the problem is they won't go to sleep for hours mm. after because you're so full of adrenaline. It says, yeah. also, they got the debriefs. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. this, was, this was tough. Like, I hope that maybe they can try and tweak the practice sessions. I think the issue is, I don't know what it's like at other street circuits, but it seemed like the issue was Vegas is just using these roads in the daytime. Yes. Yeah, so that's exactly it. So on the ground, the roads close at 5 p.m. local. Now, I, from my understanding, uh, when they agreed to do the Grand Prix and everything, they obviously had to negotiate with the you know Las Vegas you know city council or whatever and you know decide kind of what the times are and everything. Because before the race, there was an enormous amount of infrastructure work that had to happen in Las Vegas. So they resurfaced uh, most of the main sort of area of Las Vegas Strip. Uh, obviously, they had to do a bunch of stuff on sort of the backside, which it's funny. So the the where a lot of the actual stuff is where like the paddock building and everything it is sort of it's on the backside. You know, you kind of go around Planet Hollywood and over. There. So I know everyone's uh, purchased like a plot of land and all yep. of that sort of paddock area is, is permanent. That actually used to be like a super seedy, crappy sort of place. Like it was like no, you didn't want to walk down there. Like I, it was funny walking on there. Now it's like how much money they poured into it and like the streets and it just so much of it has been sort of. I don't want to say revitalized, but they definitely have like sort of improved that area. I think it's area. so smart from yeah. F1 to like buy that land and build yeah. something there that's theirs. And mm -hmm. like, this is an important piece of context in case people listening to this don't know. The F1 race is being promoted and put on by F1, where yes. every other race on the calendar, there is a promoter in the middle or mm -hmm. an organization in the middle that is bidding and paying F1 for the rights to put on the race and then they are responsible for the race and everything yep. that goes on within it working in partnership with F1. But if something goes wrong, that's on the promoter. That's on the promoter to issue refunds, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. This race is owned and operated by Formula One, the organization. So if you were wondering, why is there so much promotion for Las Vegas throughout <laughs> the entire calendar year? Because like Adina kept saying to me, she was like, why are there always banners at the races? And I didn't know at the time. I was like, I don't know. They must be really excited. But yeah. so because F1 owned this one. And so it was exactly. important to them that it went well. And I think it is a very smart move if you've got a 10-year contract and it will probably go longer to own a building, which I'm sure yeah. they can use as offices or whatever, right? Yeah. That they I'm might want to do. But they now own the building and the first and last corners that's all built into the land that they own. Yeah, and I'm super curious. So I was actually in Vegas. Actually, I think I was texting you a, a month or two mm -hmm. ago. Uh, as uh, I just happened to be driving by because I was staying at a hotel that's like right down the street from there, and I drove by the paddock building. I was like, "Whoa!" I couldn't believe it how like huge it was. And I understand that most of that is permanent. I actually think even like the grandstands on the other side, yeah, I believe are damn. permanent. But certainly the actual mm -hmm. paddock building and everything. I'm very curious if you show up there in like a month. Can you go over there? Is that like a? Is it gonna be like a museum? Like I don't know if they've actually got this stuff sort of sorted out, but it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I was uh, when I was leaving on Sunday, I drove right by it on the way to the airport, and they had everything was still kind of open, but they just had like cops just kind of standing there to make sure you didn't go in. But you know, all uh, you know, the those big loading pallets with all the Ferrari logos and everything of all the gear that was getting loaded up to go to Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, it was it was cool to see, but I'm very curious to see what they do with this thing in the long run. But yeah, look. I, look, FP1, this was a mistake. It happens. I think the fact that people sat around, because this was, um, so the way that the event works, so the streets close at five, then six o'clock is when the gates open. And then um, I believe FP1 was at 10. So you can imagine people have been there for four hours and they see eight minutes of action. And then originally FP2, I believe it was supposed to be like midnight or something, but instead it was 2 a.m. and they kicked everyone out. So there's people who were there from 6 p.m. Yeah. to 2 a.m. who got eight minutes of action on the track, were told to leave, and instead of getting a refund, got a $200 store voucher to buy more merch, which would buy you about That's two t-shirts. I didn't know that part. That is hilarious. Yeah. And that is because, right, and like, again, 
F1 don't want to give you the ticket money back because it's their money this time. Yeah, yeah it yeah. kind of it sucks. I hope that they will learn from this to have better contingency plans for mm-hmm. because I think it is it is an issue when they are time limited on when the practice sessions yes. can happen. Yes. Because if realistically they should have moved FP1 and FP2 to the morning of the next day. That's what should have happened, right? Yeah. But the realistically, is, but they can't do that. Exactly. And so there needs to be uh, some kind of plan because this was mm-hmm. it was bad for the fans, it was bad for the teams, it was bad for the drivers. And it didn't help anyone. And yeah. realistically, they were lucky there were no accidents, I think, as oh, absolutely. course of this. And so yeah. it, 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 they, they've got very limited room to maneuver because uh, so yep. the way it works is that because the track not only shuts down uh, part of the Vegas Strip and the whole strip is shut down, but it's only they only drive on one side. The other side is just, you know, for like police vehicles and just, you know, just, you know, parking or whatnot for all the people who are actually there to, to officiate or whatever. But the thing is, uh, there's a lot of like hotels and stuff which are ring fenced in, and the only way in or out because obviously normally there's regular roads. So the only way in or out if you're on the inside of the track while the actual track is live is they've built these like sort of big temporary bridges that go over the track, which mm-hmm. they only you know I guess they're only going to be up for you know a few days or whatever, and they're already tearing them down. But the problem is that they're like two lane little bridges. So the th- problem is is that they can't really leave the track live and open for any longer than they have to because like imagine an ambulance needs to get across. So they've got come across a little two-lane bridge over the actual racetrack and like i think there's like two or three of them it's very very limited so that was one of the things so we actually flew in on saturday so we came in quite late so we arrived like an hour or two before they closed the the actual track and looking at sort of the infrastructure and how you get in and out i understand why there's like no support races or anything else like literally they shut the track down they clear everyone out who doesn't have a ticket they you know build the the walls back and put the fences up make sure everything is good and then they're ready to go like there's not a lot of extra time like this the whole whole process yeah. takes a couple hours for them to get everything ready and prepped and whatnot so it's it is one of the sort of the realities of racing on a street track where you have to yep. respect the city that you are sort of uh, racing in but seeing it sort of from the ground it was very eye-opening to like oh i understand why this thing is so tight because i've got a lot mm. of work to do in that three or four hours between get all the actual cars off the road get the f1 cars running on the actual track it sucked that carlos got a penalty they're going to change that. It absolutely did. They're going to change that. Like, not only is I'm sure, uh, I think that Ferrari are already in sort of machinations to try to actually get some kind of um, compensation for the you know extensive damage that happened. But also, there's no, like, even the stewards were saying, like, oh, if we didn't have to give this penalty, we wouldn't. But we literally see no way around it. Like, I, they're going to have to change this rule. They absolutely have to change this rule because it makes zero sense for a team or a driver to be penalized. I think the problem, like as I was hearing it, the issue is it could open so many loopholes. <sighs> yeah. No, it's, this fair. is a, like, wh- how do you judge it? Right? Yeah. Like in the rules, how do you judge it? Of like, <sighs> what, what, the- what, what would be the, the, the way around it? You give the stewards, you know, what is it? Um, like what? What most contracts have this? It's like, um, like an act it's of like God a or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like but something- like, the issue is, yeah, is rain? No, 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 no. The rain I, is actually an act of God, right? Okay, that's fair. You know, I, okay. Well, you know, I say that out loud. You're right. There are a lot of loopholes in that. Like these, are, I think this is the reason that they didn't do it, and like yeah. the reason that they were saying they couldn't do it is the loopholes. But I still think that something should have been done to, mm. to so science didn't take that penalty because it Agreed. was not his fault yeah. at all. It was pure luck. He was just the first driver to drive over. It could have been anybody, yeah. and he got horrifically penalized and ruined his race. He mm. could have been on the podium. I mean, he could have won that thing. Honestly, he could have won. Knows? It. Yeah, and, yeah. And <sighs> it, it sucks. I, I I feel like it sucks, and you know, I, it was like oh. They were talking about how uh, the teams should come together, but there was one team that wouldn't do it, which is obviously Mercedes, right? Yeah. Because they're fighting. And it's like, so like, while that sucks, you understand from Mercedes, they could be any team. Of course. Whichever team would have been in Mercedes' shoes, they all would be like, and even if it was like Switch, Ferrari wouldn't want to do it because this is the sport at times, right? It's Mm -hmm. just like, how can you find the points? But I still, I wish that this wouldn't have happened. It Mm. shouldn't have happened. Mm. 
to yeah. Carlos. He did not deserve it, and there was nothing he could have done about it. He was driving in the middle of the track. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't Agreed. like he he got messed up from going over a chicane or something. I mean, maybe they just write something very specific into the rules. So it's like if all the stewards agree that a car took serious damage from a fault of the track and nothing else, then they are allowed to be excused from the penalty. Like maybe if it's something that's just very, very specific for like if a barrier collapses or a manhole cover comes up or something that's not like something left in the track, that's obviously not a problem. But like, you know, so like literally a piece of asphalt gets sucked up and gets thrown through someone's tire. I don't know, whatever. I think maybe that's the way they should handle it. Yeah. They should handle it, though. Like, I just... It is it is ridiculous that, obviously, the thing that happened that delayed things, that happens, right? And that could happen at any street track. That could happen at any track for any reason, right? Like, what happens if someone, like, obliterates a barrier and it takes them three hours to fix it? And obviously, they got to wait the three hours, right? Like, delays happen. People, you know, when you show up to a live sporting event, you do accept that there's some element of, oh, things may not go according to plan, right? But... Mm-hmm. Penalizing someone for driving on a track uh, when it completely blows their car into smithereens basically yep. feels a little bit unfair. But yeah, it was it was a quite spicy way to start the Las Vegas yep. Grand Prix and all the I people. I mean, and were- also like it, when this time came around, people people were already mad about this. Like, yeah, I feel like there was like an overall sentiment online of just like mm-hmm. just people being generally mad about the fact that the Vegas Grand Prix was happening. Yes. This was just like powder keg time, you know, mm-hmm. like people were just flipping out. Absolutely. Uh, I would say there were a lot of cool car liveries. I think every, uh, there were a lot of people went hold all on. out. Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. A lot of cool liveries? How many of yeah. these liveries do you think were actually cool? Because I would say that there was one and a half that looked cool. No, what did you think looked at least cool? two. Okay, what, Ferrari what did you think? looked excellent. Easy. Absolutely no brainer. Phenomenal. Yes. Alpha Tauri. Yes, Alpha Tauri looked pretty good. Like, I liked Alpha looked Tauri. like the lights going over it. Yeah, yeah. I liked the Red Bull because they actually finally did something that wasn't just here's the Red Bull with yeah. a slightly different tweak. Like uh, you, they always do the thing, hey, look at this fan <laughs> livery contest. And it's like it's just the same one. Like at least it had something going on. They had like the poker chips on the wheels, right? Like I appreciated that. It was something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it was also funny to me that like so many teams did stuff and Mercedes were just like, nah, man. Like, like it's kind of like there was just something about it. they didn't do a thing they yeah. did nothing yeah they didn't have any special suits or like any change to the car it's like no we're not even gonna bother i didn't I mean, like the williams one it felt awful. too try hard awful 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 i could, cannot overstate how much i hate that williams it was just so but ugly. the biggest crime the biggest hit me. Hit me. crime hit me. which hit by me. the way i would before i say that i would just say the ferrari race suits carlos science was mesmerizing in that suit there was like a moment he got out of the car at one point and started running. I mean, did you know like what happened to this man? He was just, it was stunning of his bouncy hair and like he just looked incredible. It, Carlos should wear that suit every week. But anyway, the crime yeah. of was the Red Bull race suit. What the hell were these two dressed as? Especially they looked the like idiots. <laughs> they looked so stupid in those was, suits. Supposed to be Elvis, Elvis, suits or something. Yeah. But like, I, I, but, okay. but Carlos looked like he was a Ferrari driver. You mean uh, why yeah, were yeah, they yeah. red and white? <laughs> <laughs> why were they red and white? Like why? I just yeah, that podium and them and like in the back of that limo. I was just like, wait. What happened? Oh no, that's Checo. Okay, okay, I got it. I got it. Okay, it had little stars down the side Yikes. and the fake like opening. No, not good. Yeah, they, those suits were. They were criminal, not, man. Not good. I just look. I, I'm happy that everyone was excited for the race. I'm excited that yep. everyone was amped about it. And you know what? Do some custom yep. liveries. I don't care. The only slight thing I have about it is just the like. Are special liveries really that special when you have them for half the races of the year? Like, I, I, to be fair, I don't want to, like, you know, say that's a bad thing. I mean, most other sports, you run whatever livery anytime, like, who cares, right? I think Formula One's typically been very restrictive on, like, hey, the car has to look like this, all your minor tweaks, change the sponsor logo, but that's pretty much it. But, like, it does kind of feel like everyone tries to make a big deal about these special liveries as if they're really all that big of a deal and special, when in reality, it's like, oh, a third of the races of the year, you've got some different livery. Congratulations, we don't need a whole song and dance. Or in Red Bull's case, you don't need to drop a an RB19 from the roof of the club to show off that you've got you know some purple paint on it. Like, congratulations. I just, I, to me, I do feel like it's a little bit... Uh, uh, calm down a little bit, guys. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's not that exciting. It's just, it's fine. I still like some of these liveries, though. I think, honestly, the Ferrari one was great. The Alfa Tauri I actually got so to see. Sick. 
I, I got to see the Alphatari right up close. I, I actually got to touch the car. Don't tell Ripple. Um, but, <laughs> I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I literally, I, went, I looked around and I went, boop. Um, was it the actual car? So it was an AT. Like a third model? No, it was last year's car. So I'll tell the story of like where I was and everything a little bit. But yeah, oh, okay. it was it was last year's model they had, but with this year's livery on it. That's clever. Um, so yeah, That's so clever. no FAA penalty have, from you, thankfully. I have one complaint about the Ferrari livery. Okay. So I love the Ferrari livery. I think it's fantastic. I'm currently playing F1 23, mm-hmm. which by the way is fantastic. Yeah. F1. If did you if you played F1 21 and played the breaking point thing, it was like a. They had like I a, did. Yeah. They brought it back for this year. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, it's such a great story but I, I did that and I'm playing through a season now Hurley Motorsport we're going great oh yeah and yeah it's going great this year we're, we're having a good time nice nice I was halfway through a race a few days ago put my PlayStation into rest mode and I turned my PlayStation on yesterday and it's like the game updated okay so it like it started me from the beginning again and wait, now what? the Ferrari has the Vegas livery on it like, wait wait wait, just, wait wait you lost your save file or no, they, I was like halfway through a race and just oh. like put my PlayStation to rest mode. Right, right, but then right. the game updated. So like, you had to restart that race. On its own. So it, I had to restart the race. Okay. And f- from what I can see, the major change is that they put the Vegas Ferrari livery in. <laughs> so like I'm racing around Spa and the, and the Ferrari <laughs> looks like it's from Vegas. And I'm like, I love it, but was it worth it for this? Like, you know what I mean? Like you just, just, imagining you just you drive- crushed my set, like my progress. <laughs> I just imagine you're driving by a Ferrari and you hear, Viva! Las Vegas as you drive by. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it wasn't, it was like, hang on a minute. Come on. You know, this is like, it's the shelves passing me. I'm like, really? I mean, it looks good, but really for this? You know? Honestly, I like that livery enough, man. They can just leave it. Uh, it's fine. I, I, it is very funny to me of like, why have they done this? Like, why have they updated it and now like made it the permanent Ferrari livery in the game, I guess? Uh, you know what? Which, that excessive. should be the permanent Ferrari livery. That was just a good looking car. They looked great. Yes. And I look, I think the problem with, and look, we talked about this earlier in the season. Like, I, I'm a big fan of the Ferrari livery. The problem is that while I understand that red and yellow is, you know, Ferrari colors, red and yellow is also McDonald's colors. And I think that yep. uh, people think about McDonald's a little bit more often than they think about Ferrari. So I think when you see, mm-hmm. you know, the red and yellow race suits and stuff, I think people think eh, McDonald's. So red and white feels a little bit red, more distinct. Black. Yes. Sick. That feels a little more, uh, not distinct, but like it. It doesn't immediately make me think about Burger King or something, you know? It's like, oh, this is a cool modern livery for a modern time. All right, we're going to take a pit. Let's do it. You got the timer ready? I am ready to go. Ready. Let's see if I can break a world record. All right, you 1.9 seconds. Let's go. Three, <laughs> two, one, and begin. This. <laughs> we got to start again. Now. We got to restart. We got to restart. I was breaking the record, but it's not very good. <laughs> You know, I don't think we've fulfilled our contractual obligation. (laughs) All right. For real now. Three, two, one, begin. This episode of The Backmarkers is brought to you by Bitdefender, a global leader in cybersecurity. In the world of Formula One, every millisecond counts and cybersecurity is no different when it comes to stopping attacks. Just like a driver needs a helmet for their protection, using a device without proper protection can lead to serious consequences. When it comes to protecting your digital life, you want the best security possible, and that's exactly what Bitdefender provides. Bitdefender is a company that's driven by a mission for top performance in technology and innovation, and they put their customer needs first and foremost. As a global leader in cybersecurity, Bitdefender has been recognized time and time again for its commitment to excellence. They've won numerous awards for their innovative solutions and dedication to customer satisfaction. Plus, they're trusted by millions of people around the world to keep their digital lives safe and secure, all while constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible in the world of cybersecurity. What sets Bitdefender apart is their focus on innovation and technology. They're always at the forefront of new developments in cybersecurity, working tirelessly to stay ahead of the latest threats. They use advanced machine learning algorithms to detect and block all kinds of threats in real time, and they provide multi-layer protection that keeps you safe from all kinds of threats, including zero-day attacks. If you want to protect your digital life with the best security possible, trust Bitdefender. Their leadership in cybersecurity is underpinned by a desire to serve their customers' needs first and foremost. Head to bit.ly slash discoverbitdefender to learn more about Bitdefender and find out the best cybersecurity solution for you. 
That is bit.ly slash discoverbitdefender. Go there now. Our thanks to Bitdefender for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Time one forty-five twenty-five. So okay, that was second great. second fastest of our bit defender spots, though. It's faster than the last couple. It was it was, it was solid. It was a solid run. I, was, I lost like one and a half seconds. You know what? You sound like a never mind. I'm not gonna make the joke. I was gonna make the Ferrari joke. I'm not gonna make the easy Ferrari joke. It's totally fine. Well done, my friend. Well done. We're back Thank on the you. track. We got we we pitted. We got mediums on now. We're ready to make the sprint to the finish line over the next forty-five minutes. So tell me, tell me, tell me what it was like. Tell tell me all about your experience. How did you get to go? Why did you go? Where did you go? I want to know it all. Yes. Okay. So um, slight conflict of interest here. Uh, It was actually Red Bull who invited me out to the race. So uh, thank you to Red Bull. Not that I am a Red Bull right now. You know. There you go. Not that we're partisan in any way or whatever or biased, but um, they were very kind to offer me a ticket to their energy station. So. They probably have heard some things that you I know said what? Uh, about no their comment? world champion. Here's know? the thing. Uh, I may have also heard some things, but they're cool. They're chill. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Or maybe they don't listen to podcasts. Thanks, Red Bull. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, they offered um, tickets to the energy station, which is very cool. It was on turn three, I think. It's basically right past the finish line when they kind of hang the left and they start swinging around. Sort of like, you know that Red Bull station where like uh, where they had all the Red Bull banners um, with all the, like, the stands and stuff? It was kind of like right there. Honestly, probably the slowest part of the track, I think. It's, it's quite slow and it was difficult it was very we only saw a handful of times where people were like trying to pass there it was it was it was narrow but um yeah so they they were very kind in inviting us and they uh gave a ticket for the uh, energy station so my wife and i went um okay so let me give you a little bit of backstory here we've talked about this i think a lot off camera i don't think so much on camera i was very much against going to this race because mm-hmm. Having gone to Coda, you know, in Austin, and and on not only I've gone on a non-F1 weekend just to go to the track, and I've also gone to see a race, and the difference in that race is similar to a lot of other purpose-built race tracks around the world, but it's mm-hmm. quite awful when there are three hundred thousand people who show up, and there are two little farm roads that get you in and out. Right? It's even though. Coda is not far from Austin. In fact, from the top of turn one at Coda, you can turn around, you can see the Austin city skyline. It is not super far away. But the hours you have to wait to get on a bus, to wait an hour in traffic, to make it a mile to get into your car, to sit in traffic, to drive three miles back to your hotel is gnarly, right? And obviously, if you go into that with that mindset, you know that you're going to be there for, you know, watch an hour and a half race. You're going to have three hours of commute on either side or whatever. It's a little bit more reasonable. But not a great experience from a fan point of view would be the way I would describe a lot of F1 races, if I'm being entirely honest, right? Like, you're going there to see the support races. You're going there to get some merch. You're going there to walk around and do everything. Because um, by and large, like, you know, depending on where you are, you're like, you're just seeing every minute you see some cars go by. Exactly. And then you watch right? the screens the other 90% yeah. of the time. Yes, absolutely. In your experience, can you mm-hmm. always see a screen? Because I, I yes. don't know, like, yeah. yeah. So you always have access to a screen, pretty much always. So where we were stationed in the in the energy station, so there was one screen that we had a very sort of like oblique angle to, but there's also a screen kind of almost more facing the drivers. Because I don't think a lot of the stand could see it, and we could kind of see it, but it was the closest screen that we had. So we kind of like spent the time like sort of watching the cars kind of go back and forth. As soon as they were gone, you look over to the screen that was kind of above us. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so generally you do have a screen, but I after having my coda experience a few years ago was not thrilled about the idea of vegas because i do love i love look i love going to vegas you know it's not too far away it's an easy drive it's a few hours from where i uh, where i live so it's not too bad typically but vegas gets gnarly at certain times of year so uh like there was a, a point my wife and i went like a few years ago for like labor day and you, you spend hours and hours uh in traffic on the freeway because like it's normally like a three or four hour drive but when it turns into a six or seven hour drive because of traffic mm. it becomes not fun right so that was something i was concerned about and then the main thing i was just worried about was that because they're closing down a huge portion of las vegas right like not only just the actual huge part of the strip but also some of the roads behind the strip which is typically kind of how you kind of will hopscotch yourself around if you're kind of going from one side to the other and so seeing all this i was like oh it's gonna be a complete nightmare it's gonna be a disaster i don't want to go i don't want to go not gonna happen but then as the race got a little bit closer Ticket pricing started to go down. Flight pricing started to go down. Hotel pricing started to come down. And then Red Bull was like, hey, would you like to come? We've got a couple passes for the energy station. I was like, all right, you know what? 
this is the time. Let's do it. So booked some cheap flights, which were surprisingly cheap to go out, um, you know, literally the day of the race. The hotels, I will say, like, we stayed at Planet Hollywood, which was kind of right on sort of the um, – right before you kind of got onto the pit straight sort of at the end of the um, – the Vegas – sorry. It's – it's uh, Planet Hollywood is exactly at the end of the strip where they would take the left and kind of turn back mm-hmm. off to, to go into the um, – Toward like the uh, the start finish line, um, it was reasonable. It was honestly a little bit more expensive, but it was it was ballpark what you would pay on like a mildly busy weekend. Like that, these were all good signs for me, right? I was like, oh, you know what? If it's not that expensive, it couldn't be that busy. And the answer was, it was phenomenal. It was not busy at all. Okay, now I, I say that with a little. Is that salt. bad or good though? I don't know if that. So it did not sell out. So where I was sitting, I could see this grandstand in front of me was probably like three quarters full. Uh, mind they you, messed up there, right? They they priced it too. They high. priced it too high. Absolutely, like they, that, they should have sold this thing out. There, there's yes. no reason why they shouldn't have done that. They yes. clearly went too hard they on the pricing. Completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. I think because a lot of these tickets, uh, they were talking about, especially with um, most of the tickets, or at least a lot of them were being sold with like hotel packages. And so you're talking about oh, thirteen hundred dollars for an okay seat and a room at you know whatever hotel, like you know these huge huge amounts of money. And what happened was I think a lot of people were turned off by that idea, didn't show mm-hmm. up. Um, when we got in the Uber from the uh, airport to the hotel, uh, he was telling us how like every single person he had picked up that day booked their ticket like the day before or whatever. And like, oh, we saw it was cheap, so we just said, ah, whatever, let's go, which is the right move. Because honestly, the tickets and the hotels and everything were the cheapest literally like Friday before the race. Like it was just – it came down and down and down because they realized that they really need to sell tickets. Um, so that being said, it was – incredibly smooth for us now mind you we came in on saturday so we came in probably a lot later we like we arrived like six hours before the race started right so quite close to the actual event um but it was incredibly easy the airport was not super busy um it took us like 10 minutes to get to the hotel it was great because you actually drive on the track so we actually were you know i've got this great like video of like we pull on to like uh koval like where like they actually take that 200 mile turn i'm like oh they're gonna be driving 200 miles an hour here in like three hours this is dope um and it was very easy to walk around so i will give one thing to vegas vegas is a very walkable city most of the time you know like this trip is very much designed for you to weave in and out of all the shops and casinos and all this kind of stuff and all that was wide open even though that like they had kind of shut some things down and it was like you couldn't quite cross the strip in so many places it was very easy and honestly that's a big reason for me to enjoy a thing because let's be honest when you go to a race in person you're not getting a good as you're you're getting a Worse experience than watching it on TV if you just care yep. about the actual racing. So, in fact, yep. actually, before we were recording here, I actually had to go refresh myself because even though I was there, there are definitely some moments that I missed either because I wasn't yep. paying attention to the screen at the time or, you know, it's at the end of the race. And, like, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on. So, like, for me, like, the, the simplicity and the ease of getting in and out was definitely a huge, huge contributor. And it was super smooth. Like, honestly, mm. it was, yes, maybe not quite as busy as they had expected. But the fact that everything was easy to get in and out of, it was very, very simple. Like, there was no major problems at all. And if I, you know, ignored some of the racetracky stuff, I could have just assumed that I was on Vegas on a semi-normal weekend, which I think could not be any more of a glowing review for how well that they did build the infrastructure. They did sort of build the whole thing up. Now, I know that this is not the experience for everyone. I know there's plenty of traffic and stuff. And a lot of people in Las Vegas were very upset because they were building up all this stuff. They had like, you know, they blocked off all of the public viewing places as much as they could. Although, to be honest, you could still watch the uh, race for free super easily from like a million different places. Like you could literally just sit on the other side of the strip and just see the cars go by. They couldn't stop you. Like, yeah. People who were complaining about that, I think they were just trying to find a couple of key areas on the bridges, which you can even still see through on the bridges, but they kept you moving around. But just my experience was very much so that in, out, everything, very seamless, very smooth, better than Vegas on some sort of busy weekends, which concerned they Mm. still had a ton of people in town. I would give them huge props. It was expensive. Uh, Taxis were expensive. Starbucks was expensive. Everything else was kind of expensive around the race, but uh, it was way better than I expected. Well, I'm pleased you had a good time. Like, I wonder if it will be like that next year. Like, if it will, if it will have the same vibe. I I, I think it probably will be because honestly, like, there's okay. uh, like first and foremost, they designed things well. Like, everything was really yep. easy. Like, they had lots of signs up. Uh, you know, everything was really shut down, or at least everything that needed to be shut down was shut down. So, like, yep. there was no like issues. Like, we didn't. The only time we waited in a line was when we waited in line to get a shoey. I don't know if you saw this. There was a. In front of the yeah. Bellagio fountains, they had the uh, the Shoei bar where they would sell you 
a like Red Bull drink and an actual shoe. I didn't realize until we actually got there. It's an actual real race, like Sparco race shoe. They just put a little like liner inside of it for the actual drink. Whoa. But it's a legitimate actual race shoe. Um, but it was like seven hundred dollars or something. It was one hundred thirty dollars, which is a lot of money. It's a lot <laughs> of money. But if it is a real shoe, it's then they have borne the extents. The yes, expense, it, so. it's a real shoe. And when you're paying one hundred dollars for a T-shirt, paying one hundred thirty dollars for a cool drink with a shoe, and they yeah, started, I prefer that. They also immediately started selling for like three hundred bucks on eBay because they were limited. Um, now that I would sell mine because I think it's really cool. Um, but that was the only line we waited on the entire weekend. Like it was phenomenal. So, and of course. I would be remiss to not talk about the energy station. Um, do you what know? is that? Okay, so I have only, this is the first time I've ever been invited to the energy station, but I believe that Red Bull have been doing this for quite a while. This is essentially, so most of the teams, not all of them, but most of the teams have their own areas. So, for example, I walked by Mercedes, which is actually kind of right down the thing, and they have this like huge area built out where they sell incredibly expensive tickets. Um, and if you go there, you get like free merch, and then like Toto will come by, and I don't know, I'll give you a back rub or whatever. I just, there's a lot of like people who Sounds like nice. circulate. <laughs> yeah, I'd pay for that. Um, <laughs> but there's like, you know, hey, I bet. <laughs> That's a strong back rub. Oh, that yeah, is like dude. an intense. Oh, dude. Yeah, man. You're I'd never be... going to be the same kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to unlock something. Just don't give him headphones. He'll like smash it across you. Uh, but yep. no, so a lot of the teams have these sort of areas. I believe that Red Bull have been doing it for quite a while. Essentially, it is a sort of competitor to the F1 Paddock Club, which the Paddock Club is legitimately like, you know, the people who, when you see the cars come in to take a pit stop, if you look up, like those are the people who paid for those tickets to, to go to the Paddock Club. Um, I've never been there, but as the, my understanding of that, that's sort of the official F1, like sort of fancy expensive ticket thing where, you know, they have all the booths or the, the suites and stuff. So essentially you walk in and um, they had it first and foremost, they had like a, a uh, I think it was an RB18 or whatever. They had a, an F1 car mounted sideways on the wall as you come to check in. So very, very cool stuff. They also had another one on the roof. They had the DJ Disclosure um, playing a set uh, while everyone's coming in. Um, they had an Alpha Tauri merch shop. I definitely bought myself an Alpha Tauri shirt. I would have bought another if they had my size. Um, it was cool. It was a very cool setup. And then there, uh, look, I'll be honest with you. I drank a lot of Red Bull that night. Like every time I turned around, I'm not even kidding. Inside the energy station, there were probably ten different bars, all with different Red Bull themed drinks. Some were. I've learned that I love uh, watermelon Red Bull. Apparently, it was really quite delicious. But like, yeah, I've never tried non Red Bull Red Bull. Like, I've never tried another flavor. You know what? I was actually in the same boat. I always like drink like sugar-free Red Bull, and even that I don't drink Red Bull that often. Dude, it was everywhere. It was great. Like they had all. And the thing is, they had all these like unique custom drinks and stuff all over the place. Mm. So, like almost like each little bar had it. But um, and then it was obviously just right on the actual track. So mm. um, it was very cool. Um, those tickets, I know, uh, if you were to purchase them, were a large chunk of money. Which uh, so do you get somewhere to go watch the race from there? So there's no like seats really. So it was kind of all stand. There are sorry, there are seats, but uh, if you want to actually see the race really well, you stand up. But it's basically like so where we were standing. I can send you a picture later. But where we're standing, we're looking down at the marshals and then the ba- the barrier and the fence and then the track. So it was. Right, but you have somewhere you can watch basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, everyone just kind of hung around the kind of like little terrace sort of area where you're just staring right onto the track. So like. It's actually kind of sad. A lady right beside us, she was taking some photos. She dropped her phone and it landed on the concrete. And one of the marshals actually went to go and get her phone for her. Like, that was how close we were, I guess, if that kind of uh, helps. Like, you know, it's where, like, that we were. The phone st- was destroyed, right? It was fine, actually. It, it, she had what? a big case on it. it. She had a big case on it, but uh, it landed. She a YouTuber? She's doing one of those, like, <laughs> oh, look at my club test. She was very stressed, as I think everyone would, would be when you're mm-hmm. at a track. And then, yeah. Um, but yeah, you were very close. It, it was kind of like, you know, where they see, like, um, along the track where the marshals will have, like, those loaders where they'll pull the cars out? Yep. Like, there's a loader, like, right in front of us, right? So, very, very, very close seats. It was incredibly fancy. Again, thank you to Red Bull for the, for the tickets because it was a unique experience. But yeah, it was. A very, very cool event. Um, the race was good. And the weather was good, too. I think a lot of people were really afraid that it was going to be super cold and there's going to be, like, no grip. And while it was certainly chilly, I think it was significantly warmer than people had expected because people were thinking, like, oh, it's going to be almost, like, freezing. And, I mean, I was out there in, like, a normal jacket and it was very comfortable. I don't know right. exactly what the temperature was during the race, but it was really not bad. It was funny, though. 
it was quite calm. Now, Vegas is a windy, windy city, uh, especially the day after a ton of flights were delayed because, like, there was only one runway running because it was so windy they could only take off in one direction. Like, it was there was turbulence on the plane before it took off. Literally just the, the plane <laughs> was swaying bad. back and bad. forth as we were boarding. Yeah. It was, yeah, was kind of rough. But, um, but it was interesting because being there actually at the event, you always hear, you know, about how wind sensitive the cars are. You know, and you're like, oh, you know, people think, oh, something's wrong. It's like, oh, it was just a, a gust of wind. So we were there and it was quite calm. And then out of nowhere, it's quite an aggressive bit of wind. I don't know how fast it was. So it was like enough to go, oh, wow. And almost immediately here on the radio, people like, they're all the drivers, like, like you hear like Lewis talk about it and everything. I heard it was, that. And it's like wind's yeah. picking up. It was literally, it was like from nothing to like enough to like almost kind of like you have to like shift a little bit. Like, Whoa, windy. Um, that was a really cool, that was almost like the most visceral kind of thing. Because I'll be honest, F1 cars aren't actually that loud. Like you don't need earplugs. And we were like really close. You also can't smell them, which I know is like sounds like probably good for the environment. But like if you go to like most other forms of motorsport, it's a really visceral experience. You know, you're, mm. you feel the cars, you hear the cars, you smell the cars. Like it's like, it's a real thing. And F1, I feel like, is much more sanitized. Yes, they're loud, but they're not crazy loud. You don't really feel them driving by. You don't really smell them driving by. You smell a tire smoke, maybe. But, um, yeah, that's that would be the only thing where it's like, it's not quite as raw as I'm sure, if, you know, this is 20 years ago, or 25 years ago, when they're still running yeah. V10s and all this kind of craziness. Pieces it's of like, car hitting you in the face as they're yeah, driving by, man, you know? I, 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 I'm not going to lie. Like, I was just like, every time they came around, those two, I was like, ah, no. oh, there, they're, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. Um, yeah, but it was it was a lovely experience. It was well worth going to. And yes, I don't think they sold out this year. I think that they're going to lower the prices next year. And yeah, I, I think now they've kind of understood what their market demand is. Yes. And I also yeah. think that the everyone's going to sort of recalibrate a little bit because I think the hotels will kind of calm down a little bit. And the thing is, I actually have a lot more faith in the fact that this is a good Grand Prix going forward. Not only because the racing was good and the track was yep. good, but also, Track's again... Great phenomenal right and especially because yep. it's cold and slippery it's a little bit of a different challenge for everybody yep and, and also, just it was exciting to watch in a few corners like that final corner but yeah. they had the visibility to fly around it it's oh like oh there's some fun in it like the, wild you know, yeah wild. there's like there's there's some interest in, and also like there was a lot of overtaking like it was it's yes. a track you can overtake on which is rare for a street circuit mm-hmm. like I, I was pretty impressed with the overall experience it was genuinely one of my favorite races of the year it had yeah. all of the stuff that i enjoy you know including like a bunch of safety cars so like you don't know what's going to happen you know like i think that and what i will say too about the safety cars this feels like one of the most efficient martial mm-hmm. tracks that i've seen yep. like there were some terrible accidents you know like lando or whatever and they were just like they were handling it, you know, yes. like there were pieces of bodywork flying all over the place. And those marshals were just handling it. Like it, it was, yeah. I think from that perspective, very well run. And maybe they had designed the track to have a lot of access, maybe. Yes, they absolutely which is did. kind of one of the key parts, right? Yeah, 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 and there was a lot of infrastructure everywhere. A lot of loaders in pretty much every sort of zone where you might potentially have to pick up a car. Um, lots and lots and lots of marshals. I don't know how many marshals are a typical Grand Prix, but... Um, just for where I was standing, within eyesight, there was probably like 15 marshals. And was, this was just okay. at a small, slow-speed part of the track. So certainly a ton of people who are on sort of standby. And it also helps, I think, that's quite a long track. It's the second longest track on the calendar now. So especially when there's like a safety car or something, they can kind of bunch the pack up, and the marshals have plenty of time to go out, or at least plenty of time, mm. relatively speaking, to actually go and clean stuff up before the, uh, the actual they come back around. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was really well done. And I have a lot of faith. Again, I'm going to talk a lot about the whole infrastructure and easy of use. Cause like no one wants to spend all this money and then have a like bad experience, right. Going to the race. Yep. I have a lot more confidence that Vegas is a good spot to do this, not only because of the racing, but also because Vegas handles a lot of large events, you know, whether it's CES or any number of huge sort of trade shows or whatever, or obviously it's have like all NFL hotels. and it's all hotels. There's like 130,000 hotel rooms in Las Vegas. Something and just absurd. you don't have to go far once the race is done. Yes. That's the thing that right? I, I yeah. really was sold on this because the airport is right beside the track, which is right beside and around the actual strip. So like 
the like it took us six minutes to go from our hotel room to the uh, to uh, getting to the airport, right? And that was the day after. Like you would assume there's all this traffic and stuff. Like this is like as everyone's leaving. It took us six minutes. It was forty one dollars. Yeah, like, so once but, the race is done and people are trying to leave immediately, well, you're actually just going to your hotel, which is exactly. like walkable from and where that, you that are. Was right? a, that was the thing I loved. Like everyone just spread out, and obviously you know the yep. race finished up at like midnight or whatever. But like everyone just spread out, and guess what? Vegas has a lot of things to do at midnight, you know. So it's like everyone just goes to the casino or whatever. And like, you know, everyone went to go hang out for a few more hours because like, oh, this is a great time. And nothing felt like it was overly crowded. It was just felt yep. like Vegas on a slightly busy night, which was phenomenal. So I will say, like, if anyone is on the fence about potentially going to the Grand Prix next year, yes, you're probably gonna deal with some traffic driving out there. And yes, there's a little bit of stuff here and there. But from my experience this year, it was no worse than like a somewhat busy weekend in Vegas, which happens like, you know, 10 times a year anyway. So yeah, yep. two huge thumbs up. Uh, touch on a few things in the race. So um, there was a bit of hubbub at the beginning between Max <laughs> and George, to which Max received a penalty. Uh-huh. Max was stamping, man. I just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It the was way funny. he drives, I just can't. I just can't. Well, sometimes. he didn't even make it through turn one before sh- pushing Leclerc off the track. And then later, uh, I to know. be fair, the George thing, in the moment, I thought it was a little bit more Max. I actually do think it's a little bit more George turning in. I think Max actually was probably entitled to some space there. Oh, I've conflated those two things. It Max was against Charles Leclerc at lap yeah. one, and then it was with George later on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What he did to Charles Leclerc, I just think, I, I, I just. I think it was largely on purpose. I will give him a little bit of credit. The track was really cold. I mean, you saw Lando crash the next lap just doing a no- he was basically Austin. driving normal. Austin, come on, man. Well, uh, okay, you know what? I, I maybe on. should make the argument that Max Verstappen doesn't know the limits of his car, probably. Okay, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll walk that one back. Like, the guy does this <laughs> stuff in every race. Like, he just wanted Charles off the track so he could send my regards. So he could be fussed. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, that's, you yeah. know. Look, I mean, he did get a penalty for it. I mean, even I think he, he did, but I still don't think it was enough. Like, I, I genuinely don't. Like, <sighs> well, for, uh, okay, now see, that's a slippery slope. Though, he like should have been thing, forced right? to give the place back. That's but, what should have happened. But the thing is, we've talked. Uh, the the five second penalties existed for that reason because, like, yes, there's definitely scenarios in which you eat the penalty because you know that you're going to get an advantage. And I think Fernando has actually done that a couple times over the last uh, couple of years as far as like, oh, you know what, I'm just, I know I'm going to get away with it because it's going to be worth it. Because, But then the penalty <sighs> should be harder because like that's true, right? Like everybody knows like it's five seconds. It's not a problem for Max Verstappen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so he can just do whatever he wants, right? You've given him a true. ticket to just do whatever he wants now. <sighs> yeah. But it's like I think it could be problematic because the problem is, is that – that only works, hey, you have to give the place back if that's the, the sort of penalty that they give instead of a, a time mm. penalty. What happens when the stewards take 10 minutes to decide and suddenly there's 30 seconds between the cars or whatever? Like, I think it's a tricky thing to do. No, in I practice. know it's, it's hard. It is hard, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know of a way to deal with that. I just know that it just annoyed me in the moment. Like, it just is yeah. like, well, it, it just did, <laughs> it's just not sporting. Yeah. Right? Like, it's send, just not sporting. Send the stewards my regards was. Uh, <laughs> Like, like man, the, uh, yeah, that was that was uh, that that <laughs> I forgot he said that. That pr- it's like at that point, it's just like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Look, man, uh, Max is a character. I think the only thing I will say, and and you and everyone else will know that I'm not exactly the world's largest Max Verstappen fan. The one thing I will say is that, in my personal opinion. So much of F1 these days is very sanitized, very corporate, very PR friendly. And it does feel like Max is one, Max and Lewis, I would say, on different sort of um, approaches. But I think uh, in large part, they speak their mind. They kind of say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. And I actually do, uh, I, I do kind of miss that because I was not an adult. And I think a lot of the, the glory days of F1 and, you know, in the 80s yep. and, you know, some of the 90s and stuff. I'm like, I think there's a lot of those times where, like, uh, I'm, you know, watching old races or listening to podcasts about them, and it's just like these wild, crazy things would happen. It's like none of this stuff ever happens today. Like, it's like these are these are businessmen who are making, you know, tens of millions of dollars. They're not out here, you know, beating each other up because they cut each other off. You know, it's like obviously we probably shouldn't have people beating each other up on the track, but like there is a small element of me which is like, you know what? At least Max has some personality. At least like 
he could be, I guess, the villain in some ways. But I, I do appreciate that because when everyone is just happy and friends sure. and it's just a bunch of people going out and driving around in circles, it almost loses a little bit of the meaning, in my opinion. And obviously, these are all See, shades of gray. But like, <sighs> that's the only defense I could get from him is like, at least he's making it interesting, even if he's I see what the you're villain. saying. But one of the things I like about Formula One is that it is 20 guys mm-hmm. who are ruthless yep. to win, right? They yes. all want to win. Mm-hmm. But I like that they are friends. Like a lot of these guys are friends now. And the yeah. reason I like that is because they are putting their lives on the line. And I don't think I would have I would enjoy this sport in the same way if it was in the days where it looked like these guys were, didn't care if they killed each other. Mm, and like yeah. and I'm not sure if I personally, this is me, right? My mm-hmm. taste. Yeah. I don't think I could enjoy the sport if I had to fear for everybody's lives towards the end of the season because someone wants to be world champion. Sure, I completely agree with that. And I, I don't I'm not saying that's what Max is doing, by the way. I'm just saying yeah, like in, yeah, yeah. in response to your like it, it is maybe a bit too clinical. It look, it's, like, it's I, I understand what you're saying, but it's just like for me, I prefer the safety of it because of it's course. already inherently so dangerous. I don't yeah. I don't need them to be putting each other's lives at risk. They they're doing it enough on their own. Yeah, look, you know? I I agree with that. I don't think that people should be out here like like uh, what he did in in uh, qualifying, right? When he kind of like ruined Alcon's lap and stuff like that kind of stuff. It's dumb. And I, but he's I, just straight up just like he yeah. didn't like what Alcon did, so he just decided to die bomb him. Yeah, yeah I just agree. like you were the world champion. Like, yes. what are you doing? That's like, you don't I'm even doing. need to get out of bed in the morning. Like, I do that in go karts. I do that in go karts, yeah. not as a Formula One world champion. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah. I agree. Look, I'm not I'm not trying to defend him whole cloth or anything. Just to me, it's just like, yes, of course, these cars are safer and all these things. But it does, I think, benefit the sport at least somewhat to have at least some characters. And if people Mm -hmm. get a little bit sometimes when they're driving, whatever, to me, I'm kind of okay with that, right? Like, to a limit, and obviously there should be penalties and whatnot. But if everyone, it it makes it a less of a spectacle. Like, I mean, I know you're you're a big wrestling fan, right? Like, imagine if they removed some of the spectacle there because it was a more corporatized kind of thing it's like i don't mind well, that is people. exactly what they did <laughs> they well, did that fair. in the 2000s <laughs> well that's fair that's fair that's fair but yeah that's that's just kind of my two cents on it i don't want to be a max defender but i do appreciate the least he- i mean it's helpful because i'm a hater right sure sure i am well, he like, was you know what though? i don't like him I've, i i don't like the way he drives i don't like his personality like there is no redeeming quality for me with him <laughs> genuinely like i just how i feel but yeah. i respect him as a champion like the yeah. guy is incredible he's one of the greatest that's ever gotten in the car like the season has proven that this year it was maybe debatable a couple of years ago like but no i think at this point absolutely not like mm, mm. the guy is he will probably be world champion next year and the year after that as well and like and probably. i think he's earned that right like i so, think he's earned that but i'm curious then. I st- there are still things that he does that i just it, it tarnishes him yeah. for me, for me, like, and, and I can't get past it. Sure, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on. He was by far the most vocal person talking down the race, you know, saying like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. we've got clowns," and you know, uh, someone asked him about, you know, the oh, everyone got two hundred dollar voucher. What do you think? He's like, "Oh, I would if I was a fan, I'd tear the place down." Like a lot of these kind of things. Like, yeah. I, I know he got a lot of goodwill from a lot of the of the fans who are a little bit irritated with the race. And yeah. I think afterward, I think most people have kind of agreed that it at least was a was a solid Grand Prix. If you know, maybe not the the smoothest as far as the action. Does that like? Like sort of sticking up for the fans kind of stuff, no, doing things for you. I no. think he's a hypocrite. Because yeah, I, I watched like a two-minute video of him talking about how there's no soul in it and no emotion mm-hmm. in it. And what mm-hmm. he wants is the like, he wants there to, like he believes in the old tracks, he doesn't believe in these tracks. And yeah, yeah. people coming out and going to a show and like he wants people to focus on the drivers. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I agree with that. I agree. But then when he wins, he starts singing Viva Las Vegas. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what then? Like, I feel like you can't have both, right? Like you totally can't, fair. like, like if I thought his criticism was really good, like in this clip that I saw, where he's just like, I don't want people to come here and have a party. I want them to come here and, 
enjoy the race for what it is even though as you said which i actually kind of agree with i actually do think you kind of need a little bit of both now because like yeah. going to the track is maybe but anyway but then mm -hmm. like you can't then lean into the vegas stuff like you can't like criticize yeah. in my yeah. opinion don't criticize that it's in vegas because they want it in vegas and then like meme it because you want to get a social media clip like i agree with that I completely you can't have that. both of these things yeah yeah and yeah so and like and I understand, like, oh, I have reservations about the event and after the race. Like, I was pretty good. Like, that, that's that's a completely understandable thing. I think most people had a lot of reservations for, like, would the race even be entertaining? Would it be, you know, good yep. racing, blah, blah, blah. But I do agree. I think he went really hard against it at the beginning and then very much leaned into it, which, ah, it's complicated. But, uh, yeah, I just, there's a lot to be said about Max. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit about that more on the next episode when we wrap up the, the mm -hmm. season. But... Yeah, that was that. That's that's definitely something that stood out to me from that. What did you think about the Lando incident? Because that oh, that was tough. That was tough to watch. That looked hard. Yeah, that was that's one of the worst crashes this year. I think. I it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Like because he hit two things fast. Yeah, like I, like yeah. I, I did he just just lose control? Like I don't even remember now. Like I don't think anything so, really happened, right? No, I think it was uh, it was on lap two, I believe. So everything was still quite cold. I think there was a yeah. bump in the track, and I think he, maybe he had like sort of just put a little bit of steering lock in as he hit the bump and lost control because it snapped super. Because he super kind quickly. of bumped into one wall, span round, and just yeah. like just all the way down the track and hit mm -hmm. another. Yeah, and he was. You know, there was just some characteristics of that crash, which like he was just sitting in the car for a while, which is yeah. like abnormal. Yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. and they took him to hospital. Like the, mm -hmm. he was a bit banged up, and he seems like he's doing okay, which I'm really happy about. But yeah. I felt bad for him too. It could have been a really good race. Like Oscar yeah. had a great race, so oh, like yeah. Lando probably would have had an even better one or as, as good, right? And so I, I, I felt for him because it was, it was a big old whack yes and it's also always embarrassing too because i mean it was essentially his error like i don't think it was mm -hmm. him doing something incredibly dumb i think he just kind of got caught out and sort of just it snapped at just the wrong time but yeah it's always a little bit embarrassing when you crash on your own especially on a straightaway with nothing that's really you know it, I, I get it for him and also we have to consider that if you do look at the points tally well there happens to be a pretty close fight uh for what is it p4 in the, in the driver's standings right now because it's okay so carlos and fernando are tied on 200 points lando's at 195 and leclerc's at 188 so technically all four of them but really lando fernando and carlos are all you know absolutely fighting for p4 in the championship yeah. which i'm assuming there's a fat bonus in, uh, involved for that too so it's like if he would not have crashed out if he would have done even remotely well he'd probably be the heavy favorite to be p4 and now it's going to be a very much toss-up of well, how the next race goes and the constructors for fourth place in the constructors, McLaren are at two eighty four and Aston's at two seventy three. So that's really close as well. So that's important for the teams. Mm -hmm. So losing Lando in that race was yeah. not good for McLaren in like every aspect. Yeah. Right? Besides the millions like, of dollars of damage in the car and the potential millions yes. of loss. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah. so you got to imagine from his. I mean, from his perspective, it was probably good. It was such a hard whack, so everyone had a bit of sympathy for him. Yeah. Where if he right, like if it. <laughs> If it wasn't so hard, it'd be like, Lando, man, you're killing yeah. me here. You know? I, I think uh, most people, if that was, say, Piastri, I think people are like, oh, look at that amateur. You know, like, oh, you know, he's still got to learn and stuff. But the fact that it was happened to Lando, I think is a good reminder that these things can happen to anybody. And it may be a little bit more of a testament to Max's um, very good consistency that these things never happen to him. But I think it's it is like kind of unbelievable the reliability of the car and the yes. drivers this yes. year, and uh, like especially Max. Like mm -hmm. I think Sergio's done pretty well too, right? In that regard, to, to yeah. my memory. Well, he's but well, like, no, but he's crashed a fair few times though. I think yeah, he's, yeah, he has. Yeah. Like whereas Max but, has like, been incredibly Max clean. Is unbelievable that he yeah. has kept it within the lines for the mm -hmm. entire season as Literally, well. Literally, like yeah. that. That is, honestly, that the, I I figured he wouldn't have won so many races just because there was just a natural odds in which the car wouldn't get around the track the whole Absolutely. time. But that has not happened either, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like with Lando, when he crashes, he crashes hard. <laughs> it's all or nothing, baby. <laughs> like, it, like, I think at that one, there was one in the wet last season in qualifying. 
Oh, yeah. And, he, and it was very similar to this, where he just like span and was smashed into a wall and spanned more. And there were wheels. I think it was spa. Wheels going everywhere. Yeah, like, yeah. When he crashes, he crashes. You know, hey, it doesn't do things by half measures. I do think that is a thing about Lando, though, in general. He doesn't do things by half measures. That's like, good. he goes and he goes hard. Like, yeah. you know, and it reminds me of Max in that regard sometimes, which is why I would love to see him yeah. and, and Max together. Like, that's actually a dream pairing of mine. I would because when I look down too, yeah. the grid mm-hmm. and I like who could be that number two, I think Lando is maybe the best option. Of like who could actually put it to Max, I think Lando is maybe the one who could do it the most. Hey, I think uh, <laughs> I'd love to see that negotiation with McLaren and how they get him out of that contract because that would it's be, not going to happen. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think yeah. McLaren know that too. I think it's yeah. one of the reasons they lock him up so much is because they <laughs> yeah, know Rebel yeah. want him. <laughs> but oh, like, Lando took a I tell you contract. what, that friendship that Max and Lando have that wouldn't last a season. I'm curious. I don't know. Man. I don't think it would last. It, probably wouldn't it probably wouldn't it's a lot easier to be friends with someone yeah well i think even also for the two of them like i think the friendship would go out of the window very quickly i I think both yeah it's it's a safe bet i think it's difficult to be good friends with your teammate when you're properly competitive and really not just going to oh we p4 this year whatever it's like no who's gonna win the championships like oh i want to be you have to be selfish so talking about winning charlotte claire man heartbreak you know what? Heartbreak. I just think we all have to admit that this is not his year. He's going to get pulled. He was close, times. though. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He, and he, like, bravo to him for taking Checo on that last lap. Oh, I was phenomenal. so excited. Phenomenal. I even, was so excited for him. Even all the Red Bull people who I was surrounded with, even they were like, all right, all right, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Like, it was. Sergio's had some bad luck last few races on that last lap. (laughs) Actually, can we give a shout out to Checo though? Checo had a really solid race. Obviously started from, I forget what he was, but he was like definitely like well down the field um, because he didn't make it through Q3. There's a lot of stuff said about Sergio Perez and we'll say more again in the next episode, but he's still second in the Constructors' Championship, but he locked it up before the end of the season. Absolutely. And I mean, he he, he did the job. He had a shot of winning this race too. You know, it wasn't like Checo was like off the pace or whatever. Like he was properly on it. I know that he had... Yeah. He had a different setup to Max. Yes, he did. He had a bigger wing. Max's think- setup was set better for this race. Yep. I think with the right setup, mm-hmm. this could have been Sergio's race. It could have. That's the thing that I really loved about this race. Any one of the three could have won it, right? It very yep. easily. Like, and they all led the race like legitimately at different points. You know, that was one of the things I just really, really enjoyed. I think a lot of people enjoyed about the race was just that it felt like. It was never a foregone conclusion. It's easy to look at the no. standings right now and go, oh, yeah, Max won a race. Leclerc got second. Well, and there were so many safety cars. Any of those could have been for any three of them. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. And I'm surprised. Especially with a dive bombing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know what uh, what corner it is, but it's the corner where they get super close to the wall, right? I believe as they're pulling out onto the strip. You know the one where it's like mm-hmm. they kind of thread the needle almost like a, in, like in like Canada or something? I'm surprised mm-hmm. no one hit that wall because the amount of times you saw people get right up to the edge was properly impressive I and mean, these guys there were are out a couple here. of walls where some of the advertising was f- f- like you know yeah. ripping up but everyone kept all the wheels on the car and like uh was it qualifying when uh, alex lost a tire or something mm-hmm. or a free, one of the free practices or something but yeah man it was my favorite detail was the yes. sphere oh the sphere was awesome this is my first time seeing it fully done yep. i'd seen it as they were like building everything but actually seeing it up close and personal Using oh, it so cool. for like safety car, yeah. check a flag, yeah. stuff like yeah, that was really good. That was really good. The sphere I is so the sphere is so cool. It is just such a ridiculous, over the top sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy that that thing exists. Just you hear, uh, I was reading earlier. They apparently were trying to build a sphere in London, and they uh, they canceled the plans. Or they they it didn't. It didn't Has go it been canceled now? I, it sounds the like the problem they canceled is it. where they wanted to build it. Mm-hmm. People live there. <laughs> oh, okay. That would, that would be a problem. Yep, yep. Yes. That's fair. <laughs> and that was why it didn't work out. I, I live in the sphere. You know, just, just get some good blackout curtains. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, right? Like you know, you see the memes from Vegas, right? People yeah. posting pictures. That would be people's homes. Yeah. It. It's. It's a very Vegas thing. You know, it, it yes. fits in Vegas. It's, I would love it to exist in London for the inside, but the outside yeah. can't work here. Like yeah. for where it where it was wanted to be built. There are other places in London where they could build it and it wouldn't be such a problem. Yeah. But where they wanted to put it, no way. Yeah, that's totally fair. It's like 
Uh, yeah, but you know what? It fits really well in Las Vegas. It's very visible. Oh, yeah. Even when you're flying in, you can absolutely see it super clearly. Like it's one yeah, of those. It's like, like a perfect Vegas thing. Absolutely, I'm excited to see. Um, in fact, uh, CES coming up soon. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Gonna try to go inside for something. Um, oh my god, imagine trying to game on that screen. Oh wait, I just got a video idea. What game on the to- outside. Game on the inside or or the outside. Uh, all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm, Two player game. Some person, okay, you know, we're, we're live uh, brainstorming. We'll save this for an actual video. But yeah, it, the sphere was phenomenal. Um, honestly, like, it what, was would a, the, what would the like title of that video be? Gaming on a, the, I don't know, the sphere. I don't know. I have no idea. Just, I could Photoshop it pretty good, though. That'd be, that'd be a thumbnail. All right, you know what, Mike, yep. Mike? You got me thinking. You got me thinking. Maybe I can borrow the sphere for five minutes. I'm sure it wouldn't be, <laughs> that wouldn't be expensive, right? <laughs> Just to play a bit of Counter Strike on the sphere. <laughs> oh, good lord. Oh, no, I walked to the other side of the sphere. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, it would be a great broke versus pro oh my god yeah, yeah, yeah. the pro just, setup is the sphere <laughs> and the broke one is like some like little like baby like little like screen or like a projector and yeah. like a little like bowl or something oh my god mm-hmm. that would be that's <laughs> <laughs> my ideas here if anyone's listening would like to give me five hundred thousand dollars to make this uh, video mm-hmm. happen i would uh, love to love to yeah do you it. wish it'd be more than that apparently it's like <laughs> 600 grand to advertise on the is thing. it really oh yeah. my god dude that's disgusting yeah. what about 3 a.m it's gotta be cheaper at 3 a.m right can I, can I get a little discount come on Mr. maybe Steer, man i mean give me give me give me a give me an hdmi i'll be in and out real quick so that was Las Vegas. We're going to have one more episode this year. We're going to wrap up the season. We're going to... I've refused to scroll down on this document because we're, <laughs> our predictions are down there. There's one of them that's ringing in my head and it's been ringing in my head for the entire season that I feel mm-hmm. like such an idiot about it. Mm-hmm. But there may be more that I will feel an idiot about. <laughs> And we can see. Um, I look forward to debating this one with you and seeing how, mm. uh, how close we get on the points. Because I remember last year... It was not a particularly close, uh, close battle. I think you, you, no, you kind of swept the floor you. with me. Yeah, was not I close. I crushed you. But I'm excited to, to review those uh, <laughs> on our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Backmarkers. We'll be back next time for our season wrap-up. Say goodbye, Austin. Goodbye and viva Las Backmarkers. I, just, I, I, didn't, I didn't sell it the way you sold it.